Well, I appreciate you, Scott, coming up here and telling everybody Merry Christmas and then not saying anything because I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. How are you? <laughs> Man, I am so glad to be back. Uh, I was really excited for last week. Man, I mean, telling you what, it was going to be so exciting getting back and seeing everybody and there's going to be a Christmas party and, and I love Christmas parties and, well... Uh, get off the plane and that was just a disaster my lovely bride was willing to sacrifice her life for me and uh, so, again again so, uh, she said I do many years ago and that was the first sacrifice right so, anyway, but I tell you what it's great to be back it really is uh, you know when you go and you visit other places and you, and you're t and you're, you spend time with other Church families, you know, it's great. Uh, they think you know all things when you really don't. But it's okay. I'm not letting on, you know, when they say that. But uh, it's, it's, it's great to be back where it's comfortable. You know? I'm dressed in my suit and tie, but it's kind of like I'm in my spiritual pajamas. It's kind of nice, you know, where you can just kind of let your hair down, what hair you have left, and just enjoy uh, being with each other. And so I am really, really thankful. You, I wish I could say it in a different way, but uh, that's just how I feel. So with that, let's get on to business. I, I, I love this pink and green calendar. It's definitely in your face. And so right now, it's got all the information you ever want to know about January 2024. At least the important stuff. You know, stuff you get on social media, yeah, it's not so important. This is really important. This is about moving the kingdom forward. So, everything you ever wanted to know is right there. Uh, Oregon Family Camp's coming up. Uh, I'm going to get the letter out tomorrow. At, well, actually, uh, Tuesday. Uh, so, I'm going to have that letter sent your way on Tuesday because it's got to get done probably three weeks ago, right? So, Okay, I'm glad we're good. Okay. So, anyway. For that, Oregon Family Camp's coming up. Lots of folks are talking about coming, but we'll just have to wait and see how that all turns out. And there is no assembly this evening, at least here. I know there's a, a what is there, a Christmas Eve uh, vigil or something like that? A Christmas Eve service. A Christmas Eve? Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock at Alvador. Okay? And uh, for those of you who can make it, that would be great. It's always enjoyable. And... Uh, if you can't make it, we still love you. All right? Just, you know, make sure that you remain faithful in the Lord and come back next week. Now, I did share that uh, very important uh, statement about loving this family. Is because a lot of churches don't have what we have. Uh, in the development of my lesson for this morning on the Church of Sardis, I don't know if you've ever read about the Church of Sardis, but it's ominous. And you're saying, well, how come we're doing a Christmas message? <laughs> well, I want to get to heaven, and I'm glad that Jesus came to earth so we could get to heaven. And uh, there's lots we can share about the Christmas uh, story, but I do want to talk about the victory we have in Christ. And that's what we've been doing. And you know what I love about these, these statements about the church? Every time he closes with, for those who are victorious, this is what you're going to get. I love how God, through Jesus Christ, communicates that to the preachers and the preachers say, 
Here's what you're going to get if you're victorious. I mean, what a great coach. But he says, as a great coach will say, you're uh, holding down on the job a little bit. And uh, if you want the victory, this is what you got to change up. And this is what you got to build up. And that's what this lesson's about this morning, once again. My first, my first uh, point is, wake up! And I took that right out of the Bible. It's not mine. Okay? And the second one is, uh, I, better write, I better look at that. Second, or first one is I know. Second one is wake up. And the third one is uh, choose to be one of the few. You know what's terrifying is, is that God knows everything about me. The good, the bad, the ugly. And he knows my motives. And he, and he knows my intentions and the thoughts of my heart. And he knows all of that. And yet he still sent his son. He's still ever present and available. There is hope as long as you are thinking and reasoning through the scriptures and allowing the scriptures to convict you to reach for that greater standard of living like Christ Jesus. Amen? So let's read the scriptures this morning. Uh, let's go back to 1 John, obviously. That's where we are at. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And uh, if, if the Lord speaks to you this morning, he's, by the way, he's not speaking to you. He's speaking to the church at Sardis. So don't take any of this thing personally. Unless, of course, you need to. <laughs> How's that sound? Uh, so 1 first, first John and uh, chapter 5 and very first verse, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the children born of him, loves the family of God. And then look at verse 4 and 5 as we've done before. For whoever is born of God, who's ever a Christian, a true Christian, overcomes the world. They're victorious. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It's only by faith that we're able to overcome. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, I love that one. That's very positive. Now let's listen to Jesus' thoughts on the church at Sardis. And again, this is all about the people in Sardis. It's not about you and me, unless it might apply. Okay? Chapter 3 of Revelation. To the angel or the preacher, the evangelist, of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which are about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it, and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I'll come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few... Notice this is interesting. It's different than the other ones. This church only has a few people that are getting it figured out. The others have a lot of people getting it figured out. Did you notice that? The other churches have a lot of people getting it figured out. This one only has a few people getting it figured out. This is a very bad place to be. 
I don't think I'd want to live in Sardis or particularly participate in their church services. I have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments and I will not erase his name from the book of life and I will confess his name before my father and before the angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray real quick. Father, I just thank you for this uh, this particular passage, this particular church being identified. Uh, Father, uh, when I first read it, I, as you well know, I, I went, oh, there's not much here. And yet, silence oftentimes when there's a leader in the, in the room means that things aren't going the way it's supposed to go. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us to realize what's being spoken here and uh, glory in what you have allowed us to grow and, and become as your people here at Pleasant Hill. Uh, Father, but pray that we would guard ourselves against this kind of, of church experience, this church lack of life, I guess. And so, Father, uh, again, I'm thankful for being a part of this great body of Christ. I'm thankful for this fellowship, uh, but I do pray your Heavenly Father that we'd be ever vigilant and mindful of the blessings that we have. It's because of the, the personal and individual sacrifices each one of us has made and is making, Father, to uh, grow our faith and become more and more like your son, Jesus. I praise you in Jesus' name for these things. Amen. All right, so in uh, chapter 3 and verse 1, you know, Jesus is the one... Jesus is the one here that is perfect. The seven spirits of God actually speaking about Jesus Christ. Now, did you know Jesus Christ was in the flesh? He was a little bambino, and then he grew up, and he was killed. But now Jesus now is seated at the right hand of God. See, Jesus in all his glory is holy and blameless, glorious. And that's whom we serve. That is whom is in us. Jesus is in us. And so we need to see him not as a little bambino, but rather as this glorious God eternal that is chosen as his plan to create you and fill you with his complete and total self. One flesh, as we talked about this morning, a one flesh covenant. That's why we bear the name Christ. That's why we're called to strength and godliness, and Christ-likeness. And so this morning, as we read through this, I pray that you would recognize that this church in Sardis, sadly, did not understand that at all. So, verse 1, I know your deeds, comma, silent pause, unlike the other statements to the other churches, Remember the one just before Pergamum? I, I know your deeds, and I know your love, and I know this, and I know that, and I know your faith, and I know all these wonderful things, And but you got a few there that are messed up. This one is the opposite. This church is the opposite. There is no persecution going on in this church. By the way, you go back and you study the city of Sardis, there should have been a lot of persecution going on. Because it was a nasty, vile city, like most of them in the ancient day were. But there is no persecution going on. The church isn't being persecuted. 
And the last time I checked my Bible, it says, anyone who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. There's something wrong with this church. I know your deeds. And the interesting thing is, is down in verse 2, it says, and I found them to be incomplete. Deeds are incomplete. That means there was a lot of deeds going on, but they were incomplete. Now, what does it take to have a deed complete and pleasing to God? Well, we're going to bring that up in just a minute. But let me take a look first at your notes. I know your deeds. Matthew chapter 23, Jesus says, Woe to you, Pharisees and hypocrites. You are whitewashed tombs filled with dead men's bones. In other words, man, it looks all good on the outside, but the inside's all messed up. So is it possible to have good deeds? Right? Good deeds. But then be all messed up on the inside. Is that possible? That's very possible. You know when a person isn't honest with themselves? They're self-deceived? They can put on a lot of show, a lot of blow, but there's no substance inside. That's what was going on in this church. The motives were messed up. Lots and lots of busyness. And uh, I found this, and I wanted to, and I made it real big so I could read it. See, Ken, I'm in the same boat, buddy. So uh, I, I really got this, like, wow, this is great. So uh, churches that have a bazillion things going on, and they got the cool everything, and, and they got meetings, and they got billboards, and they got, it's like, wow, it's awesome. I can do whatever I want, whatever I want. It's got a sporty sport. But you don't have love. They really missed the whole thing. The signs of a church alive and thriving, one which is not merely names, noses, numbers, countless meetings and activities, but the manifest presence of Christ's likeness through the power of God's indwelling spirit. How much do the individuals who are a part of the body genuinely demonstrate the Lord in their private lives, in their values, in their priorities? in their families, in their ministry services, and in their employment. It, it is never just activity or works or size or reputation of a church that measures its success in the Lord's sight. Activities and reputation by themselves are never a proof of true spiritual maturity. Genuine godliness and love manifesting the presence of Christ's Spirit is the foundation of moral goodness. Moral goodness is always incomplete and on the verge of de uh, degeneration without godliness through the inner working of Christ's spirit and the absolute truth of his word. So we don't have a million activities going on. But you know what's really sweet? Is when someone in the body of Christ has a need and others step up and work to provide for that need. That's what's critical. And that just doesn't happen every once in a while. Many of you know, many of us, almost all of us, have been actively involved in reaching out and helping and providing and serving and doing. 
And you know, I've come to realize a lot of that is, is because people genuinely love God, genuinely loved by God, and genuinely are loving like God. That's what's happening here. So when I read this, it was, it was, it was like, I, I'm not, I don't understand what it means. I know your deeds, comma. There is, there's no description of them because they have no real substance. Like I said, God sees right through us. God sees right through every human being. I hate going through the, the airline places and they got that stand up and... I don't know what you guys see, but I always get really nervous. <laughs> I can just I can just see Jake going... There's another tough monster. <laughs> now I know you would never say that about your father. And I know you know I know you've known Jesus according to the flesh, but now you know him thus no longer. And I know you know other people. You're looking at him from a spiritual perspective. I know that. But I still get nervous, man. Man, getting exposed. But let's put it in a spiritual perspective. God sees everything about you. He does. There is no hiding. Obviously, these people thought they could hide. Which is be really active and do the things that look good. And wow, we're an amazing church. <laughs> well, that's, that's not how God defines stuff. That's not how God evaluates. We got to look at it from God's perspective. Now, notice he makes another statement here in verse 1. It's very terrifying, actually. He says, uh, uh, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive. Hi, my name is Bill, and I'm a Christian. And we know Christians are alive with Christ, and they're filled with joy and contentment and peace and desire and love and all that stuff, you know? So I got a name, man. I got a name. Have you ever heard that scripture, do not take the Lord's name in vain? You know what I always thought it was, based upon my upbringing? Using the, the Lord's name as a foul word. Wanting him to damn all sorts of things that you didn't, I didn't like. That's, that's what I thought it meant to take the Lord's name in vain. Well, it's, it's, you should not use the Lord's name in that way. But that's not really what's being talked about. It's actually bearing the name Christ, but not having the substance of Christ. The name Christ is vain if you have not the substance of Christ. And that's what this is talking about here. You, you have a name that you're alive, but you're, you're dead. Now, what does dead actually mean? The word dead is an interesting word. The word dead means to be separated from. So your deeds are separate. He's basically saying, not to you and I, but to these guys. Your deeds are actually separated from Christ. Your deeds have no substance of Christ to them. Now, can they look like Jesus? Man, we, you can dance all you want like Jesus. But if you're not Jesus, you're not Jesus. There's no substance. But if you're a true Christian, you've been immersed in the Christ, obeyed the gospel, filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're actually yielding yourself to the word of God through which the Holy Spirit teaches you, then you are one who's growing in substance. And so when something happens, you're going to respond like Jesus because the substance is in you. 
Your actions are not based upon putting on a show. Your actions are based upon who you are and who is working in you and through you. There's a big difference there, brethren. And so that's what he's saying here. You're dead. You know, I, I found this rather interesting. Turn with me really quickly. And I've been stewing on this for a long time. It's really exciting when, when a scripture that you've been stewing on thinking about and you just can't figure it out, like, like the one flesh nature of marriage and the one flesh nature of being in Christ and how it says in the Bible uh, in regards to uh, uh, sexual immorality that uh, all other sins are outside of the body but the, the sexual immorality is in the body. It has to do with the one flesh nature relationship, the covenant relationship between you and Christ and between you and your spouse. It's egregious to God. It destroys everything that God desired for us to understand about the covenants. Now, that being said, I discovered that. I'm excited about it. I've been preaching it a lot more. But this one, I discovered while working on this sermon. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians in chapter 11. I talked this morning about, you know, you hear you're supposed to read the Bible every day. But what about meditating on it? Grinding on it? Thinking about it? What does it actually mean? Some of these things, there's several things I've been grinding on that I haven't discovered yet what the answer is, but God God will provide. Look at verse chapter 11, verse 27 uh, and following. I never really got this. Uh, first, first Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. I'm talking about the Lord's Supper. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself and and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Examine yourself and know who you are. And then participate with the commitment to follow through and participate in the sacrifice of Christ throughout the week. That's what he's talking about there. But then read on, verse 29. For who eats, for, for who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. What am I really supposed to be doing with my body? What am I really supposed to be doing in the context of the body of Christ? What am I really supposed to be doing as a Christian during the week? Verse 30. For this reason, many of you are weak and sick and a number sleep. Now, if you do a little word there, that word sleep means dead. Well, he's talking to dead people? No, he's not talking to dead people. They're alive. But they're dead as the church at Sardis is dead. The... the Christ is not a part of their, their, their show. There's a separation between doing their deeds and manifesting Jesus Christ. There's a complete difference there. So our deeds need to be complete. They need to be motivated by Christ in us. So people actually experience the love of Christ. They actually experience a sacrifice that people want to do. Have you ever had somebody serve you and go, man, the traffic was terrible, and man, I had to go to the store a couple of times to get the stuff for the meal, and man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's done. I mean, I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> did you, did you catch that? I know that's kind of a, that's terrible. Well, where's that person's mind? Where is it? It's all about the challenges, the difficulties, the struggles to get this thing to you. I hope you're thankful. 
Well, that's not Christ. That's not Jesus. Who is that? Me. Man, Jesus wanted to do what he did. He wanted to come. He wanted to do. It's just like like uh, uh, Abraham's son. Remember, Abraham's son. Uh, where's the Where's the sacrifice, Dad? <laughs> God will provide. Well, knowing all along that he was going to be the sacrifice. So I can't remember who was sharing this uh, with the body here, not recently or just recently, but it's true. Isaac gave himself to be sacrificed. Because he trusted his dad. He knew his dad's plan was right. Jesus willingly gave himself because he knew dad's plan was right. He wanted to. He wanted to please his father. He wanted to bless you. He wanted to save you. He wanted to fill you with the spirit. He wanted to. See, there's a difference. Do you see the difference? I have to be honest with you. I do not see that ugliness here. There was a time in the past where that happened on occasion. But man, I'm seeing when people are just pulling up everything to help other people. That is powerful. That's what Jesus is trying to combat here. And, and we need to help other folks. Be gentle. Draw them in. Take them alongside. And, and, and people take time to get stuff, don't they? See, that's why it says, with great patience and instruction. Great patience and living it consistently. Now look at point number two. Wake up! He's saying to these people that are just like in a stupor. Wake up, it's all about the meetings and all of the busyness. It's about focusing on what's really important. Look at verse two. Going back to the book of a Revelation chapter 3, verse 2. <coughs> Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which which were about to, which were about to die. For I have not found your, your deeds completed in the sight of God. Notice, basically saying, okay, so there needs to be the fullness of Christ in those. Verse 3. So remember what you have received. You've received the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and heard the awesome truth of God's word through the apostles and the preachers and keep it, do it, and repent, meaning get the junk out, the self out. And that's a beautiful picture there. If you go back and take a look, wake up. Ephesians 5, verse 14 through 18, I read it this morning. Awake, sleeper, and Christ will shine on you. In other words, if you wake up and you realize what we're called to by faith, then we can begin to embrace that. You know what the word wake up means, actually? How many of you, by the way, just so you get what I'm, what I'm going to communicate here, how many of you have ever, uh, your, your alarm didn't go off? And you had to be at work. And then there was a still small voice, something happened, and you, went, and you looked, you went, and you went from, Total sleep to, woo, you're like, oh, oh, boom, you jumped out, and somehow you miraculously get to work, and you're only about 15 minutes late when it should have been like what normally we do, you know, you gotta fix all the face. I mean, I do it, right? And it takes me a while, right? 
I mean, I'm there in 15 minutes and I am ready to go. How in the world is that even possible? You're saying, I don't know, it's never happened to me. But, but it's happened to all of us, hasn't it? Is there anyone here that cannot relate to that example? You know what this word wake up means in the, in the Greek? It means wake up, you're on guard duty right now. It literally means right now. Vigilant, watchful, right now. It doesn't mean, well, this is just a suggestion, you know, because when you actually have your coffee and you have your little bonbons and you watch uh, Good Morning America, then you, you could maybe think about it. That's not what this is. This is wake up right now. Right now. Right now and go back, okay, so I know that Christ is in me. Let me understand that more fully. I know what's been preached and taught. And I know what I've been reading. I need to begin to apply that. See, that's exactly what it says. It says, so remember what you have received, the Spirit, and heard through the Word, and keep it, do it, and repent, getting the junk out. Because if you don't get the junk out, like the selfish, self-centeredness, then you're going to do the deeds, but the substance of Christ is not going to be motivating it. Well, you can look at Ephesians 5 and 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 4, 4 or 8. Wow, that's powerful. And uh, strengthen up. Well, I'm serious. You need to crack the word. And you need to be consistent about cracking the word. But then, honestly, I, I forgive me if over the many years I've been here, I keep telling you, read your Bible better. Read your Bible more. Well, yeah, that's true. But, you know, you can read it and not internalize it. Not meditate on it. Not ask the hard questions and get the, the right answers. That's really what's important. Because the substance of Christ, his spirit, working in us because we're yielded to his authority in doing what he's called us to do is the only way that's going to happen. And then I say, listen up and repent. Let's turn to Colossians 2. We've got a few minutes left. Colossians 2 to, to round this thing out. Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to this passage more and more and more, it seems like, in my life and working with people. Chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You started out right by yielding yourself to him and responding to him according to his word, the gospel. Now, what does it say in the next uh, part of this? It says, now do what? It says, having been firmly rooted and now being built up uh, built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Notice it says, you are rooted in him through the elementary teachings, those base things about who you are and what you're called to. But now build yourself up in your most holy faith. Do you remember it's the faith of Christ? Remember it's the the, the faith of Christ that gives us the victory. Nothing else will. Now remember what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. Is your hope secure in Christ Jesus? What's the answer? Absolutely. Is the substance of your hope as we're going to learn in the next year, 
Is the substance of your hope than the manifestation of his glory in your life? That's really what the scripture says. Go back to that passage of scripture where it says that we have been justified. We have been glorified already. See? Do you believe that? And so it's important for us to recognize then here that we are need to grow our faith up. And notice what it says. I love this one, this, this particular passage. Overflowing with gratitude. How do you grow your faith? Have you ever noticed that faith grows when you're under pressure? Have you ever noticed your faith grows when you come under challenging difficulties? <coughs> because your faith is either going to be destroyed because you don't go back and lean on Jesus in those terrible times, or your faith is going to grow because you go back and you lean on Jesus and his people during those, those terrible times. Can I get an amen on that one? I mean, tough times are either going to make you or break you. So those of us who have, or are still here, we're still working through it, we, we do not like going through those tough times, but we recognize going through those tough times if we will choose to seek out Jesus in regards to his standard for overcoming, our faith grows. And remember, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. See, that's how this works. This church was in a disaster because they had no real substantive faith. Now, did they have the Holy Spirit? <coughs> it sounds like they did. Remember what you received. Remember what you heard. It sounds like they received it, but is it, is it possible to become dull of hearing? Isn't that what the Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 6? Okay. By this time you ought to be teachers, but you become dumb or uh, uh, dull of hearing. Sorry, that word dull of hearing actually means stupid. So you've actually become dumb again. So uh, it's possible. As we're reading some commentaries, I know that's a dangerous thing to do. Uh, but it's funny when you read the commentaries, you go, these guys are ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, they're just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the ones saved, always saved. Man, they're everywhere. And, oh, well, we're going to finish with one of those, and you're going to go, serious? But if you don't, if you, if you don't wake up, if you don't strengthen up, if you don't grow your faith, Jesus is coming. You don't know when. He's going to show up. The question is, is have you been showing up and serving him like him for him? If you have, no sweat. Remember the ten virgins? <laughs> Which one do you want to be? Well, I want to be the ones that were prepared and had their lamps filled with oil. Sounds like the Holy Spirit to give light to everyone around. Amen? That's who I want to be like. That's who I'm striving to be like. That's who we are and striving to be like also. Now, finally, point number three. Let's go back and look at Revelation and uh, verse, uh, verse four down to verse six. But you have a few, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, 
and will confess his name before my father uh, and his angels. Choose to be one of the few. Choose to be one of the few. Remember, if everything's going well and there's no persecution and life is just a, you're a, it's just a coast. Remember, when someone's coasting, they're going which direction? Just wondering. See, it's, it's got to be a press. See, and that's what we're doing. So, choose to be one of the few. Are your garments white as snow? Revelation 19, verses 7 and 8. I'm not talking about the song. I'm talking about you being called to the wedding feast. Take a look. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 and 8. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Jesus for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride, that's you and I, has made herself ready. Has made herself ready. When you would read in uh, uh, the Once Saved, Always Saved clan or group, they go, no, you don't need to do nothing. God gave it all to you. Zapped you, man. You're in. No responsibility, no obligation, no faithfulness. Zap, you're in. That's what they say. That's not what this says. It says, the bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in linen, bright and clean. <laughs> For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. My brother, there's no way that you could do that unless you had Christ in you. And there's no way you could do that unless you were reading the scriptures and you were yielded to the authority of the truth of the word. Amen? So you have to have the Holy Spirit inside of you, which means you need to be yielded to Jesus and Jesus gives you the Holy Spirit and he who is in you then will bring about the changes necessary. So the substance of himself will be manifest in you and me. So, yeah, can we do it on our own? No. But are we called to be faithful as a bride, as a helpmate, to live out the great call that Christ has called us to, to purify ourselves just as he is pure? That's what it says, 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. Purify yourselves just as he is pure. Now, do we have everything we need for life and godliness and the true knowledge of Christ? No. I just quoted a Bible verse. Do we have everything that we need for life and godliness through the true knowledge of Christ? We got it all. And Christ is in us. But now we have to be the responsible ones to take all that God has given us to prepare ourselves for when the Lord comes back. Man, I love that passage of Scripture. So are your garments white as snow? Well, the question is, is they're searching the Scriptures to see who you are as a Christian in substance and not name only. Will your name remain in the Lamb's book of life? Did you know that if you were to read commentaries, they'd say, well, you can have your name. You cannot have your name erased from the Lamb's book of life. It's impossible. My Bible doesn't say that. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white and garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. What is wrong with those people? Can't they read? I don't mean to be mean or anything. But the reality means that you and I need to do what? Remain faithful. Not be spiritual adulterers or adulteresses. Don't go after other gods. Go only after your husband, Jesus Christ. See? Powerful, isn't it? And then finally, he's going to confess your name before his father. 
and on all the angels. How many of you have ever read Luke chapter 9 and verse 23 through 26? I'll say, well, yes, of course we have. You remember it? I don't either. Let's turn there. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 26. I mean, I love having the Bible because then you can always go back to it and go, I know there's a Bible verse that says something like that somewhere. (laughs) Here it is. Excuse me, Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who shall find it. For what if a man is profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father, and the glory of the angels. Wow. Are we ashamed to even name the name Christ in front of others? Are we ashamed to live a life uncompromising with our convictions and principles found in the Word? Or are we ones who will be confident in the life we live and the words that we share? And then when we stand before King Jesus, he'll say, Dad, I want to introduce to you my favorite servant named with a special name. Because remember, we're all going to get special names. I don't know about you, but as you all know, that's my love language, man. (laughs) So I love this particular overcoming one. My name is in the book, man. I got reservations, and my name is still there. And... I am someone special. That's exactly what it's going to be like. You're saying, well, that doesn't seem very exciting. I hope you don't think that because it's the most exciting thing in the whole world to be recognized for your special creation of who you are. And it's because of what Jesus has done for you and through you. The Church of Sardis, I don't see that church here. I really don't. And I'm thankful for that. I really am. And I'm not... You know, just blowing smoke when I say that. You go to other congregations and, you know, they're just, they're putting on the show and you can feel it almost. But here people are really genuinely trying to serve one another. Now notice, we're trying to serve one another. And as long as we continue to strive after the mark of Christ, we're blessed. And the people that we work with are blessed and the people that we serve are blessed. Let's keep growing. Let's keep alert. Let's keep strengthening up the things that we have received and the things that we have heard so that people will know who we are. And in the end, Jesus will recognize who we are before his Father and all the angels. Amen? All right, let's pray. You know, it didn't really start in a manger. Lord, you know that your whole plan was started on the first day of creation. Before anything was even physically created, you created this amazing and beautiful plan. And then, of course, the coming of your Son, the incarnate God, God in the flesh, had to come and show us the way and, and then secure our way through his sacrifice. We are deeply thankful, Father, for the coming of your Son, Jesus Christ. But, Father, help us to recognize his coming for us 
really is now he should be coming through us to the rest of the world to touch their hearts, their, their, their minds, their lives. Help us to remember that. That's really what this is all about, Father. And thank you for the remembrance of this birth. I'm thankful for that. But most importantly, I'm thankful for the hope that we have that soon will be the day that we'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. Help us to grow our faithfulness, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. And we're not going to get all excited. We're just going to be thankful that we get to go home and have Christmas dinner. All right? Thank you very much. Go and conquer.